Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? It is week six. It is another beautiful Friday, October 16th. Matt is on vacation. Me and Dennis will be handling the week six preview for this week. Dennis, how you doing, man? I am having a fantastic day. Uh, you know, I'm off on Fridays, so I kind of enjoy that. Uh, do a little <laughs> editing and, uh, you know, well... You know, the wallet doesn't always appreciate having that extra day off every week. Uh, my old lazy bones kind of do. Yeah, I could, I can understand the, I guess, dilemma with that. It would be nice. Part of me, I've, I've got vacation coming up and I can't begin to explain how excited I am for that. Just, I need, I need some time off. It is a grind. You know, we're right in the middle of it. We're six weeks. <sighs> I know. Going to be halfway through the fantasy season in a, in a few days. And uh, it's, you know, it's a crazy year. It is, man. It is. It, it always forget how much of a grind it is. Like the summertime gets here and we start getting closer and closer to the season. You start getting more and more excited. And you're like, man, I can't wait for this. And then you start getting into the season. You kind of forget how much, how much work really goes into all this stuff. It makes me miss the off season shows sometimes just two a week and, you know, getting to, getting to relax a little bit here and there on the weekdays. It, uh, you love it. But it's also a grind. Right. All right. So week six, we obviously don't have a game to recap. Uh, there was no game Thursday night due to everything going on. COVID was the game that we were supposed to get. Chiefs Bills was moved to early Monday in a very weird time Monday, too. I'm really not excited that it's going to be on at like four o'clock my time. I was really hoping to at least be able to sit down and watch because I do think it's going to be one of the better games of week six. Uh, we obviously have also had a lot of COVID stuff going on. We'll touch on that as we get to those games because it does look like, at least as of right now, that all those games will be played. But we'll touch on kind of the stuff that's going on with those when we get to those games. Start off with the Texans and the Titans here. On the Texans side, uh, I will be honest, guys, we, we didn't do um, our consensus rankings yet due to there not being a Thursday football game. So these are my rankings that I have in here uh, for my players. Dennis, if you want to throw yours in once I do mine, if, if you've got yours up in handy, uh, you can throw yours in as well. But we usually give our consensus ranks. So I've got Watson at five, DJ at 20, Fuller at nine, Cooks at 33, and Darren Fells at 22. Uh, Dennis, you want to give yours really quick? Yeah, well... Uh, now it'll probably be a little bit cumbersome to switch around between my sheets. 
Uh, I don't think I'm very far off from yours. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, usually all pretty in lockstep, which I always think is kind of weird. The fact, like I always say, we never we don't see each other's ranks, and we always seem to come in pretty close to each other. Yeah, I think I, I don't think I ranked Fells. I ranked Aikens at uh, 22. So gotcha. we're at the same spot with the Texans tight end, just different guys. I mean, I like Aikens more. I, I want to know, is he for sure playing? Because that was always my biggest thing. Like, it's looking talked, like it. Yeah, he's okay. he's been limited. So If he plays, then I will likely, when we redo our, or all our stuff will be released Saturday, I'll probably change it to Aikens. Like me and Matt were talking about this on Monday's podcast with the Texans. Is they're clearly using the tight end a little bit more this year but I don't really want to play either one if both of them are healthy. But if one of them's out, they seem like when Fells was out, Aikens had a big game. And then last week when Aikens was out, they targeted Darren Fells a couple times. So I'm always kind of like, I want to get the guy who, if one of them is not playing, I want to get that guy. Uh, the big question for me here on the Texans, though, is Romeo Cannell, who is the interim head coach earlier in the week, said that he wants to get Duke Johnson more involved in the passing and the rushing game. Does this worry you at all for David Johnson? No, I think that offense is what it is at this point. David's going to be the starter. Um, I mean, getting Duke involved, what does that really mean? You know, is he going to come in and they're going to all of a sudden give him 15 carries? I don't think so. I think they may, you know, if they rush the ball 25 times with their running backs, maybe we get a 16-9 split, something like that, and kind of the same type of split with the uh, – uh, uh, receiving, but maybe flip flop with Duke getting a little more of the receiving. So if they throw to the backs, if they target the backs 12 times, you know, Duke gets seven, DJ gets five. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, neither one of them have looked that bad uh, when they've had the opportunity for Duke. And, you know, DJ is, I think on the year, he's RB 22 or something like that, 2019. I mean, what was anybody who who expected him to to be more than that? Uh, I I have him on uh, rostered in probably four or five spots, and, and I'm delighted with his production. He's he's meeting my expectations. Occasionally, he gets a couple points more. Occasionally, gets a couple points less. But he's right there as a mid to low RB two where I thought he was going to be. So that uh, you. You know, yeah, we all we all want to start RB ones and wide receiver ones in every yeah. slot. Uh, it, it, however, is, is not how it goes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think you can at all be disappointed with what David Johnson has been, especially with the you know kind of. You could almost make the same comparison with uh, Todd Gurley, who we'll talk about here in a couple games, where he's been putting up points. Now, some of that has come more from the touchdowns with Todd Gurley than David Johnson, but still, they're getting you the points. And in the end, that's all that matters. Why hooker by crook? It doesn't matter how the points get there, as long as they've got them at the end of the day. And David Johnson is producing for you. I'll be curious to see how much more they do involve Duke Johnson, if if any, because. I, if I'm remembering correctly in the first game, he didn't get a lot of run before he got hurt. And then they pulled him out, and we obviously haven't seen him back out there since. I've obviously been a big fan of Duke Johnson since he was a Brown. I still think he's a very good running back, but I'll be interested to see 
how much more they get him involved. Uh, on the Titans side here, Tannehill at 15, Derrick Henry at 2, A.J. Brown at 17, and Jonu Smith at 5. I expect a massive game uh, coming here for uh, Derrick Henry. Texans are one of the worst teams against the run. Uh, me and Matt talked about this a little bit yesterday when we recapped the Bills-Titans game. I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, with A.J. Brown back and looking extremely good, in that game against the Bills, looking healthy. Uh, we kind of talked about them almost being on the same par as the Chiefs here with the start your core four here. Like, you can start Tannehill, Henry, A.J. Brown, and Jonu Smith every single week in fantasy. Yeah, uh, Tannehill is uh, continuing his efficient play. Um, plus, he has the uh, rushing upside that I don't think he gets enough credit for. I, I think he was two years into his career at Texas A&M as a wide receiver, before he yeah. switched over to quarterback. So, you know, he's he's got some athletic ability even after having the knee injury in Miami. You know, Derrick Henry, I think, is is the the one that has the most uh variability in his game. If the running game gets shut down, uh, then you have to hope Henry busts a a, a long one late, uh, because sometimes he does get lost in that receiving game. And uh, I know Darrington Evans uh, has went on IR after last week, but he was starting to look pretty good in the receiving game. And now they have Jeremy McNichol as the backup. So uh, I, I think that bodes well for Henry when it comes to the passing game. You know, AJ Brown looked great coming back. It, yeah. You know, him and Janu both looked. You know, they're they're the real deal. You know, I I I don't hesitate to start them at all. Yeah, I've, I mean, Johnny Smith might be my best call of the year, so I'm I'm excited that he's continued to produce. That that's the one guy that I've gotten in the, in a lot of my leagues. It's it's been nice, especially because I've I've had guys like Hayden Hurst and Mike Gesicki as well. So being able to get Johnny Smith, I think in most of the ones that I got, um, I want to say I got him late. It had been late, late rounds, double digit rounds. I know in a couple of them, I got him like 13th, 14th round. So to be able to get a guy who's been producing that way has been, has been phenomenal. Uh, I am taking the Titans to win this game. So is Matthew Fox. I've got his picks over here. Who are you taking? Yeah, I'm going to take the Titans as well. Next up, we've got the Bengals and the Colts for the Bengals. Burrow, 21, Mixon, 8, Tyler Boyd, 27, T. Higgins, 47, and Drew Sample at 20. Uh, the Colts' rush defense, they're, they've been one of the better defenses all around. Some would say they haven't played that many good opponents, but the rush defense has been phenomenal. Are you expecting this to be more of a passing game for the Bengals, and is this more of a get-right game for Burrow after we saw him get really beat up last week against Baltimore? You know, it's it's a situation where they're going to come out and they're going to try to establish Mixon, uh, e even against a tough defense. I think that's their game plan. But they're not hesitant at all to go away from that game plan. So it'll be if, – if Mixon doesn't make some plays, uh, they'll. I, I think they'll go pretty quickly to a primary passing game. The thing that I, I think bodes well for Mixon is that Philip Rivers sucks. Yeah. And so it's not like they have to worry about Indianapolis putting up, you know, 21 quick points and now you're in a big hole. As long yeah. as Burrow doesn't turn it over or, or, you know, the receivers and Mixon don't put it on the ground, 
I, I think this is this could be a low scoring game, which it you know, if they end up with, you know, if, if Mixon ends up with one of those 21 carries for 74 yard kind of games with a touchdown and, and three or four receptions, and then Burrow only throws the ball, you know, 27, 28, 29 times, it's a slow pace game. Uh, I, I think that's kind of what we're looking at. If 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 uh the Bengals defense can step up and, and hold the Colts. You know, Taylor is, is a talent, but he hasn't really busted out yet over on the Colts side. But man, Rivers has just looked rough this year. Uh, you know, you're hearing calls for uh, Jacoby Brissett and uh, calls for uh, even Jacob Eason. It's, it's amazing that, Rivers just looks so bad. He's not making any plays. It's really affected T.Y. Hilton. Um, and now it, we're back to last year where we had Brissett, where you know guys like Zach Pascal and, and Marcus Johnson uh, are having to step into the fray with Pittman being out and Campbell being out. Um, I, I think Mo, Mo Alley Cox was ruled out for the week, I believe. So it's going to be a, a Trey Burton at tight end with Jack Doyle. So it, it'll be one of those uh, interesting games uh, with Rivers looking so bad. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to try to bo- – both defenses are going to have to step up against the run game. I, I don't think I have five fantasy uh, calls here. Uh, moving on to the Falcons versus the Vikings, we have uh, Matt Ryan coming in at 17, Todd Gurley at 16, Calvin Ridley at, at wide receiver three, Hayden Hurst at 19. Uh, is it just Ridley that you'll start with confidence, or are we worried about start? Who? Sorry. Well, that's okay. I saw today that uh, it looks like Julio is trending towards being active. I did um, see that as well. But yeah. I'm nervous about that. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, – to me, it feels very much like if Julio is active, that it's going to be one of those decoy kind of games. Yeah. Um, so really quick, sorry, guys. I had a very important phone call I had to take there. Um, talk to Colts really quick. I'm really hoping that Taylor has a big game here. Obviously, the Bengals, one of the worst defenses against a rush uh, in the NFL. We have not seen them really give – Taylor, the full workload, they seem to have to work Hines and Wilkins in there. Wilkins did get hurt last game. There's talks that he may not play. So even if they do work Hines in, I still think Taylor has a shot to have that huge breakout game. Mo Alley-Cox out in this one as well. So maybe this is a chance for Jack Doyle to kind of step back up and become that tied end one. I am still taking the Colts to win this game. Who did you pick to win this, Dennis? I'm taking the Bengals. And then who did – I'm just trying to find – and Matt Fox is taking the Colts as well. All right, now, I agree with you on Julio. On to the Falcons and Vikings. I agree with you on Julio. Um, you know, he – they haven't even been able to practice that much because of the shutdown of the facility the other day. Obviously, we, we just mentioned – or I mentioned earlier the COVID stuff. Atlanta was one of them. They've only had the one-person test positive. Everybody else seems to be good, so the game is going to move forward but he hasn't been able to practice much. I'm kind of thinking the same thing as you. I think he's going to be more as more a decoy. So does that give you kind of more, I guess, 
trust in anybody else engaged the original Oz? Could Hayden Hurst actually catch a ball? Like, does Julio being out help them at all in any other ca- category? I think Julio being active, I, I get the whole theory that, oh, we're going to uh, have him active. They're going to have to cover him because it's Julio Jones. Yes. But it doesn't take very long to figure out that, you know, he can't really do anything. Uh, he's not going to run. He can't, he can't run 100% or he can't cut because of the hamstring. So once you do that, then you can rotate one of your weaker guys over onto him. And theoretically, could they play that for a couple series? And then on the third series, all of a sudden Julio breaks out. Yeah, it, you could. But I don't think you want to risk Julio Jones it, even uh, in a season like the the Falcons are having. Uh so Ridley is likely to get the number one corner. Uh, that that's going to leave Gage and uh, uh, Olamide Zacchaeus to uh, potentially be the guys to to pick up the slack. Uh, it's it's kind of weird how Hurst doesn't uh, isn't quite getting the volume that we thought he was gonna. Um, but you know the Vikings aren't very good on defense, so yeah. this could be that's a game true. where where. Uh, it, you know, between the Vikings not being good on defense and the Falcons not being good on defense, both of these quarterbacks could have decent games. Let's hope so, because Ryan's kind of been been struggling here. Are you starting to worry at all about him? I mean, you know, I, I brought this up to Matt on Monday's pod. You look back at the beginning of the season, and he looked phenomenal against Seattle and Dallas, but he hasn't looked good since. And then I think the thing we've learned since then as well is that everybody kind of looks good against Seattle and Dallas because their defense have just been bad. So are we starting to worry at all about Matt Ryan? I mean, he's got plenty of weapons around him. He's just, he hasn't been able to produce so far this year. Uh, I think so. I, I think uh, he, he's what? 36 now. I think 35. so. I'll look really quick, but I'm pretty sure 36 it, is correct. It's, it seems like it's uh, you know, it's, it's starting to fade. It, it happens. You know, some quarterbacks, you know, Brady, Breeze, play it into their 40s and still look pretty good. Uh, others, you know, we, we've we seen them hit 33, 34, 35, and it just drops. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but it, it doesn't look like uh, Ryan is prime for a bounce back. Uh, he's played yeah. decent against lousy defenses, uh, so he's got that going for him, I guess. Yeah, and he is 35. He turned 35 this May. So Thrive uh, Fantasy Bet for this one here. Calvin Ridley, 81.5 receiving yards. Are you going over or under? Well, based on my philosophy that Julio is nothing more than a uh, decoy, uh, I, I'm hitting, I'm smashing the over on Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think the uh, the goose egg he put up, Couple weeks ago, what was a uh, aberration? Uh, yeah, I think I, Ridley. I'm Ridley has shown me that, uh, uh, despite uh, mediocre metrics, uh, he's you know at the combine, he's he's a he's a pretty he's a player. You know, some guys are just ballers, and and Ridley is, is a baller. Yeah, it's, it kind of sucks because there were some people who were talking about him being good this year and I just couldn't buy into it he was going late I think you could get him in seventh eighth round of drafts and 
Kept passing on him, and now here he is playing like a wide receiver one this year. On the Vikings side of things, Kirk Cousins at 13, Madison at 3, Adam Thielen at 5, Justin Jefferson at 22, and I got Irv Smith in at 29. We saw him finally get more involved last week, puts up the 10 fantasy points. Is this maybe the start of Smith becoming more fantasy viable at the tight end position? Yeah, I, I think I got to see it multiple games. It's because we we know he can do it. We've seen him yeah. do it. We haven't seen the team do it. And I don't know that uh, Mike Zimmer and uh, who who is it Kubiak. You know, yeah. I don't know with with Kyle Rudolph there that they're they're scheming a lot to get uh, Smith the ball. Uh, I think that it's it's. Dalvin Cook, it's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson now. Uh, it'll be Madison this week because Cook is out. But, you know, Madison is one of what, two, maybe three plug and play handcuffs uh, that you can expect, you know, 85, 90% of the production. So I, I think that Madison starting isn't changing anything about that offense. So I, I think if, it's a situation where we have four buys. We have crazy stuff going on. Uh, the tight end position is as volatile as ever. And you may very well have to start Irv Smith and pray. Yeah, I am. That's how, you know, I was hoping we could speak it into existence that he'll be good. Cause I do have to start him. It's either him uh, or Herndon. I, and at this point I'm taking my shot on Smith. I, I I've got, I've got the, the, I have to start Smith in one spot. And so, you know, yeah. Everybody I mean, else is either on IR or a buy. Yeah. I'm just, I'm hoping he can give me 10 again, like last week. That's all I need, man. 10. I'm not excited. I don't need you to put up 30 points like George Kittle can. I just need you to get me 10 and I'll be good to go. I, I'm just hoping for not a goose egg. That too. Yeah. That too. I mean, hey, I started Mo Alley Cox last week and he got me a big fat zero and I lost by four points. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I am taking the Vikings to win this game. What about you? I am as well. You know, I, I'm all in on Adam Thielen this year, and he through five weeks he's the wide receiver too. Yeah, he's he is having right. he, he's having a great year, and it was he was a guy I came to late this year because I've kind of I, he he can be a little bit volatile, and especially with Diggs there, there would be times where Thielen looked like he was he was the alpha, and then there were times where he looked like he was the water boy. And Diggs was the alpha. And this year, I think towards the end of the preseason, uh, preseason period, I, I kind of thought, well, they they didn't really do much. So he's going to be the unquestioned number one. Well, Jefferson has bro bro broke out. Uh, I think Thielen is still the unquestioned number one. Jefferson is going to have his moments. But for this season and maybe next year even, uh, it's going to be Thielen as the top dog there. So I'm, I'm going with Minnesota. Uh, and so is Mr. Fox. He's taking the Vikings as well. Next up, Broncos Patriots. This is another game that has some question marks around it. Now, last I saw, the NFL did reach out to the Broncos and tell them to prepare as if you were going to play, that they are going to play this as scheduled. It seems like the players on the Broncos and the Patriots want to play this game. So, doesn't really matter what they want. If more positive tests come out, I'll be interested to see what they do because they've already moved this game once and changed a lot of bye weeks for some teams here. Like the Chargers were not supposed to have a bye week this week. That all got changed with this stuff here. 
I hope it gives in because, like I said, we, we don't want to make keep making this more complicated than it is. I didn't. Do you remember when the when the test that came more po- came positive for the Patriots today? Was it a player or a coach? That part I did not see. I just saw they got a positive I, test. I think it was a staffer. Uh, gotcha. I okay. I don't know that it was a player or one of their primary coaches. I think it was somebody on the staff that's a secondary gotcha. person. All right, so on the Broncos side here, Drew Locke is expected to play, so I've got him coming in at 22. Melvin Gordon, who is also expected to play, I have coming in at 18. Judy at 36, and Noah Fant, who looks like he's going to be back from injury as well, coming in at 10. This is a tough matchup for them. The Patriots obviously always seem to play really good defense. Um, with it looking like Gordon playing, do you think with Lindsey coming back that he has much fantasy value? And then obviously – Give us the reverse on that as well. If they do decide to sit Gordon, which it doesn't look like they're going to do. They said that he was out of practice today because of illness, nothing to do with the DUI. But if Gordon sits, does that give, obviously it gives Lindsay a boost, but where do you think he would come in against a good defense? Uh, I, I think I, I, I have Lindsay ranked. Uh, even now I, I ranked him. Uh, I ranked him at 29 and Gordon at 23. So I was expecting both of them to play. I, you know, we've spent two years watching Philip Lindsay kick ass. And I understand the Broncos went out and they gave Melvin Gordon a nice contract. And Gordon can do some things that Lindsay can't. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a difference between a five foot nine, 205 pound guy and a six foot one, 230 pound guy. Uh, I mean, we, we, we see it in Kansas City. Clyde Edwards-Alaire cannot power his way into the end zone. There has to be at least a sliver there. Melvin Gordon has the size. He can power his way into the end zone. Lindsey has shown himself to be a very effective inside runner. Uh, I think part of the thing is, is they don't – it isn't necessarily a you play these parts of the games, Gordon, and you play these parts of the game, Lindsey. You can interchange them for the most part. Uh, except when it, you, you need that tough yard, uh, Gordon can move the pile. Lindsay needs a crack, uh, yeah. but they're both. But Lindsay has shown himself to be effective. I feel like we're looking at a uh, 55-45 kind of split, and so it'll come down to uh, Lindsay needing to be productive with his touches. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing we've seen in the last two years uh, that tell us uh, he won't be productive. He's got those uh, – as long as that toe is healthy, I expect Lindsey's going to have uh, a good game, finish as a, yeah. a fringe RB2 slash RB3. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, my my love for Philip Lindsay has been professed on here many a times. I do think I, I agree with you, and I, I agree honestly with the Bell Ceh thing as well, which we'll, we'll obviously talk about. You know, here's uh, a question I have for you. So, yeah. if Jerry Judy gets uh, Stefan Gilmore, what do you think Tim Patrick's going to do? I actually think Gilmore will likely get Patrick, not Judy, which is why I rank Judy higher. Uh, I just think. They move Judy around from what I've seen. They've actually put him in the slot, and Gilmore doesn't really travel to the slot. Now, that being said, and I can't don't know why I can't think of the other guy's name now off the top of my head. It's not what, like their Harmon? other cornerback is bad. Is uh, I'm yeah. sorry. Is it Harmon? One of the Harmon brothers? Because they've also got the McCordys in the back as well. Oh, there McCord's that helps out. McCordy. 
Yeah, yeah it's like one they, of the McCordys. They've got a phenomenal secondary. It's not like the guy opposite of Gilmore is not good. He's good as well. So that's why I have Fant as high as I do, because I think that's probably the best place to attack New England is a little bit there at the safety slash linebacker position, whoever's covering the tight end. You know, Judy, he could probably have a good game here. I'm just like, I like Patrick and I'm actually sitting him in a couple places because I think that that's probably going to be the matchup. He's looked really good so far this year. I thought he looked good last year and even the year before that when he's gotten playing time. Uh, And that's who I expect to kind of end up matching up with Gilmore more often than not. On uh, the Patriots side here, so it does look like Cam Newton is going to be able to play. Uh, He has tested negative, not a for sure thing that's going to happen yet, or he's not been said for sure that he's going to play, but it looks like he's training that way. I put uh, him at six, Harris at 27, and Edelman at 13. With Damian Harris coming back, he did look good in his first game back. 11 carries for 100 yards. But you also have James White, Rex Burkhead, and Cam Newton, who does get involved quite often in the running game as well. How do you see this running back carousel playing out here for the Patriots? Uh, I think that it'll probably be Burkhead with a token start um, because he's the veteran. So Burkhead or White, uh, you know, for whatever weird reason, you know, they'll – Start with Harris on the bench because he's the young guy. Uh, you know, I think Harris looked good. Um, it, it would have been nice when he broke that run if he could have pulled away and maybe took it a little further. Um, but he didn't He didn't look bad. I think it's time for him to, uh, you know, he's auditioning to, to make uh, Sony Michelle um, an inactive on a weekly basis. I, I don't know. It, it's, can he do it? He's had a year and a half to, uh, you know, two almost two years to get uh, used to the offense and how things work. Uh, if he's not ready now, then he's never going to be ready. Uh, the The only issue is is that uh, the Patriots will juggle those running backs and move them around. You know, they don't. You know, James White could stub his toe, and JJ Taylor will catch fifteen passes out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it just is. It's it, it's crazy. So it's like running back roulette, but I, I think um, I'd probably put my money on Harris and uh, White if I had to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've been talking Damian Harris for a couple of weeks now in hopes that he'd get the shot to kind of be the guy there. I, I do hope. I, I think that this is going to be more of a them having to run the ball thing so that I think leans more toward Harris, but I'm with you. I mean, it's it's. It's one of those things that once you think they're going to do one thing, it's going to be Burkhead and J.J. Taylor out there the whole time, and Damian Harris and James White aren't going to get a touch. So it's one of those things where if you have to roll with one of these guys, just hope and pray that it works out for you. But I'm I'm not – I'm just hoping Harris can come through. Uh, I Man, I'm really torn on this one. I told Matt yesterday I was going to pick the Broncos, but I really kind of feel like the Patriots are going to end up winning this one. Uh, so I will take the Patriots only because Cam Newton is coming back. If Newton wasn't in this, I was definitely going to take the Broncos. Uh, Matt is taking the Patriots as well. Who are you picking? I'm going with the uh, Patriots. Uh, I'm I'm in on uh, Cam Newton's return. So, yeah, I mean you were you were all in on the Patriots before you knew that you're going to get Cam Newton. So I, I would uh, I would hope that you'd continue to roll with them. Uh, next up, we've got Washington and the Giants uh, for the Washington football team here. Kyle, uh, Kyle Allen coming in at 18, Antonio Gibson 19, Terry McLaurin 15, and Logan Thomas 27. 
We talked about this a little bit last Friday and that all three of us kind of said, regardless of who is in that quarterback, Terry McLaurin was was quarterback proof. And then that did not necessarily play out. Now, granted, Kyle Allen did get hurt. Alex Smith came in and played and he has not played football in like a year and a half. So we may have to give him a little bit of a mulligan on that. But is McLaurin still a set it and forget it starter for you? I think from the perspective you know, is he top 24 on a weekly basis? I think that's a reasonable expectation. So, yes, uh, I I think McLaurin, is he going to have those five-point games right now? I think so. Uh, they're going to pop up every now and again where, you know, he only catches three passes for 35 yards and he has, a you know, a six-point game because the offense in general doesn't move. Uh, but they're getting Scherf back this week. Um, so that bodes well for their offense. And if they can move the ball on the ground, that keeps the defense honest. Um, and Gibson is, is uh, at this point, I'm taking the L on Gibson. He's Well, he's not putting up outstanding, you know, big numbers, 100-yard games left and right. Uh, he's performing better than I expected given the amount of uh, experience he had. So for me uh, – McLaurin, yeah, he's a set it and forget it. I I struggle a little bit with Logan Thomas. Um, I I feel like I I want him to be something, but the consistency just isn't there. And I don't know if that is uh, the quarterback, if it's the scheme, because I felt like with Turner coming over and Rivera coming over and the way that they used Greg Olson – that it shouldn't be uh, much of a stretch to get Logan Thomas involved and get Logan Thomas um, racking up catches. He's an athletic guy. He's got the size. Uh, for it, it was just it's just something that I, I haven't seen the consistency yet. So, uh, twenty seven uh, out of twenty eight tight ends uh, is probably a reasonable ranking for him. Uh, the Thrive Fantasy over-under, we have Gibson at 72.5 total yards. I I feel like uh, the Giants' defense isn't great, and so I am inclined to take the over on Gibson. I, I feel like he could get 60 yards on the ground fairly easily against this Giants' defense. And then if he just catches a couple passes, uh, getting over that 72.5 yards is something that's pretty much within his reach. Uh, on the Giants' side of the ball, you got Daniel Jones coming in at QB 23, uh, Devonta Freeman at RB 26, Darius Slayton at wide receiver 39, Golden Tate at 48, and Evan Ingram at tight end 11. Uh, I, Daniel Jones has been uh, nothing if not a disappointment this year. I have, um, I, I have got, I, I've rostered Jones in a couple spots with some fairly high expectations for him to take a second-year leap, and it just has not happened this year. Uh, Jones, uh, he's turning the ball over. He's not seeing the field well. Um, it, it, it's really been kind of a disappointment. And Darius Slayton, uh, the connection that they showed last year, I really thought it would be better this year. I thought that they would continue to build on it. And if nothing else, Jones would have that. I know if I throw it in his direction, Slayton can go get it, uh, but he's not even doing that. Golden Tate at 32 years old, I think, 
uh, is still shown himself to be a, a really good slot receiver. Uh, still gets open in the short area. Still has some burst. Uh, and, and as we we seen a couple weeks ago, Tate still got some fight in him. Uh, uh, pun intended. Uh, uh, Evan Ingram, uh, I, I think I'm out on Ingram. The consistency is not there. Uh, I, can he pop at tight end 11 this week? He can, but we've talked all off season about from tight end six or seven through tight end 18 or 19 are all pretty much interchangeable on a weekly basis. Uh, and I think we end up having that same thing here with Ingram. Generally, if you are rostering Ingram, uh, you almost have to start him because of what you paid for him. Uh, you, you probably don't have, you know, maybe you've got Logan Thomas backing him up. You know, maybe you've got Trey Burton and, and you're you're willing to risk that. But for the most part, I think you're going to go ahead and, and uh, roll out Evan Ingram. You know, I'm not 100% sure with, uh, with Devonta Freeman what we're going to get from him yet. Uh, the Giants offensive line, I don't know that they're given uh, – Jones or Freeman a ton of opportunity yet this season and and if Freeman I think had as much left in the tank as he thought he probably wouldn't have had to wait so long to get a job because there were definitely openings um, but the what he was asking for wasn't really syncing up with uh, what teams wanted to pay for what he's shown the past couple years uh, is he better than Wayne Gallman it, it certainly seems like it. Uh, is he better than Deion Lewis? Mm, yeah, I guess, maybe. Uh, but none of the three of them are going to strike fear in you. And so uh, just it, it's kind of a three-headed monster. You, you don't want to really start any of them there. Uh, Freeman will lead, lead the running backs in touches. With the, uh, the Thrive Fantasy over-under for Daniel Jones, they haven't set it 260.5 total yards. I, I, I'm probably leaning the under on this. Uh, it, as much as I want to be in on it, Jones has really good athletic ability, but he struggled so much as a passer that I feel like he's going to have to rush for probably at least 60 yards or 65 yards to be able to hit this number. And while he has the ability to do that, I think Jones uh, battling himself in the pocket is going to leave him right around that 200-yard mark. And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to risk that he doesn't pass the ball that well, uh, and he's not going to make up for it with rushing. So I'm going to take that Thrive Fantasy 260.5 total yards, and I'm going to go the under. Yeah, I am. I'm going to take the under as well. I mean, Washington, they have a really good defense overall. I mean, that that front seven is really good. And that secondary is actually really good as well. I don't expect this to be a huge game uh, for New York. And and that front seven makes that secondary that much better. That it does. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the secondary has a lot of talent back there because I think, um, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. I think they were saying could get matched up at times with Slayton and it's a good match. It may have been Collins, but it's just the fact that Daniel Joe, I mean, you got sweat young's been back now the past couple of weeks. Like they've got a really good front line. And when your quarterback's having a run through their life, yeah, it makes that secondary a lot better than it is. Um, let's see here. Uh, I, I was Who hearing you what you're saying. You feel like you kind of covered everything there. So I am taking, whew, this is a tough one. 
I, I think the Giants find a way to pull it off. I'm going to take the Giants. Who'd Matt Fox take? Uh, let's see here. See if I can find it. Vikings. Washington. He's taking the Washington football team. You know, uh, I'm more invested in Slayton, so I'm going to take the Giants. Yeah, as am I. I need him to. I need him to to be good. Ravens and the Eagles for the Ravens side. Lamar at four, Dobbins at twenty eight, Ingram at thirty three, Marquise Hollywood Brown at twenty three, and Mark Andrews at two. We've seen the past couple weeks that Dobbins has had a little bit more success with less carries than Ingram or even Gus Edwards. Are we finally going to see Dobbins start taking over this backfield? Well, the head coach's name is Harbaugh, and we know those Harbaugh dudes are stubborn as shit, so probably not. <laughs> so probably not. He's probably – and it's not that Ingram is bad. Uh, I think Ingram still has a, a, a pretty good amount of gas left in the tank, but he's nowhere near as dynamic as, as Dobbins. So I I think if we look at the, – the challenge is nobody is getting – consistently uh, more than 10 carries for that team. Not Jackson, not Dobbins, not Ingram, not Edwards. So you've got like four guys all getting nine carries. And so it's it's hard to get into a rhythm and it's hard to be fantasy relevant and fantasy productive unless one of those running backs happens to get in the end zone a couple times. Um, it, it's really frustrating from a, a fantasy perspective. Um uh, at some point, you know, we know Ingram is a team player. And Ingram, uh, you know, he wants his team to win. He wants his team to do well. And he wants to contribute any way he can. And there are times when I think Ingram looks at players like Dobbins, like he did with Jackson last year, when Jackson is rushing for 1,200 yards or 1,300 yards. Uh, and, and he's just like, man, this dude's got so much talent. I don't know why my old ass needs to keep carrying the ball. And at some point, I think Ingram raises his hand and they put the kid in and, and let him, you know, well, it's supposed to be, well, you're two series, then then Dobbins won, then you won, then Edwards won, then you two. And, and, and I think at some point Ingram goes, no, let's keep the kid in for another one. And, and you know, he's showing that he's earned it. He's doing the right things. You know he's making he's making great plays in the passing game. Uh, I think Dobbins is 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 just for lack of opportunity. Uh, he might be what we're he might be the rookie we we're talking about this year uh, if he was getting yeah. consistent opportunity. Yeah, that's the thing that sucks is he he keeps having like that highlight run every time and every game he gets the ball, but it's only a couple times. I, w- I would like to see what he could do in this offense if he actually just got the carries, which unfortunately we could kind of say the same thing about Jonathan Taylor because as good as he's, right. well, he's, he's struggled a little bit too. I will admit as much as I like Taylor, uh, he has struggled a little bit in in that, but he's just, he's not getting a lot of running. It, it, it is kind of disappointing. <laughs> On the Eagles' side, we've got Wentz coming in at 19, uh, Miles Sanders 13, Troy Fulgham 42, and Zachariah Ertz at 13. Ertz has not been great so far this year. Outside of week one, he is, he's been uh, averaging right around the tight end 20 mark, which is kind of hard to do. I mean, it, as we've talked about, tight end is bad. 
It's a tough matchup really here for everyone. Ravens, obviously one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, do you trust starting anybody here on this Eagles offense? I do not. I actually have, I think I have Wentz ranked at like 27 or something crazy. I mean, I just am not in on, uh, I have him ranked at 28. So I, I feel like this defense is going to put so much pressure on him. It's going to yeah. end up uh, be it, it could be a bloodbath. I don't think it bodes well for Sanders either. Uh, Lane Johnson is out again. I think the only I think the only guy they have healthy from the their the beginning of the year is Kelsey, isn't it? I think everybody yeah. else is dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, it's bad. And and you know and with Goddard out, Ertz doesn't have anybody to take the pressure off. Uh, the wide receivers, yeah, Fulgham broke out last week. Before that, it was Ward. Uh, yeah. You know, they just – they're so bereft of talent that it at the wide receiver position, uh, or at least healthy talent, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get our two catches from J.J. Ortega-Whiteside again this week, uh, two catches for nine yards. Uh, but, no, this, this Eagles team is uh, in for – I mean, the decline has been so fast for the Eagles that at some point – uh, I think we start to consider that Doug Peterson um, might be on the hot seat and out the door. And and I don't know if uh, that'll be something that Roseman does to save his butt because he's making the personnel decisions. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been rough for the Eagles. Uh, and as talented as Sanders is, you know, you have him there at 13. Uh, I think I have, well, I have him at 14. So I guess it wasn't uh or no, where did I? I have, I have him at eighteen. Um, as talented as he is, man, he—it's not like he can do all of that other stuff. On the other side, the the I don't the the risk with Lamar is that the Ravens get up and, and they're not trying to throw the ball, and when you're ahead, you don't want to risk your premier player. So it becomes a handoff show to Edwards and Dobbins and, and Ingram. Uh, and so with the Thrive Fantasy 225.5 pass yards for Lamar, uh, I'm a little concerned that he's going to – I'm a lot concerned. I would probably take the under on that because I do believe uh, that the Ravens are going to get out ahead pretty easily and they're going to run the ball an awful lot, which means Lamar won't be throwing it, which means uh, Hollywood Brown uh, and my my multitude of Mark Andrews shares uh, could potentially end up suffering and costing me games. I am sorry, guys. My phone is blowing up today. I've got a, a work crisis of work crisis is going on apparently at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, and, and the one thing I will say for, for Fulgham, because he did have a good week last week, I wouldn't read too much into him possibly having a bad game today. Uh, they are going up against Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith. I mean, they're they're really good quarterbacks, guys. Yeah. Like, uh, let's, let's calm down a little bit. They're not going to be great. I know he had the, the breakout game last week, but I'm going to go ahead and bet when Marlon Humphreys is shutting down some of the best running or wide receivers in the game, that he's probably going to be able to handle Fulgham. I am taking the Ravens to win this one. Who are you taking? Taking the Ravens as well. As is Mr. Fox. All right. What the I'm hoping, matchup. 
I am hoping it's going to be a good game. I'm not sure that the Browns can pull off the win, but I just want them to at least keep it competitive. We've been kind of steamrolled by the Steelers quite often. I'd like for at least a competitive game this Sunday, but the Brown Steelers, I've got Baker coming in at 18, Hunt at 9, Odell at 25, Landry at 31, and Austin Hooper at 14. As I mentioned, I do think it's going to be a good game. This does seem more like a game where they're going to have to rely on Baker to throw to keep them in the game or possibly win this game. Uh, They obviously... We're able to run a little bit against the Colts last week. who had the number one run defense. Pittsburgh has the number two, but at the end, it did come down a little bit more of Baker having to throw the ball. He made a bunch of mistakes, and that one did get beat up. What do you see from OJ? Or, oh, my goodness, OJ. OJ doesn't play anymore. OBJ and Baker in this game. I will say a, a note just came across Twitter from Tom Pelissero because uh, there is a lot of talk about Odell being sick. He has tested negative for COVID, so we're hoping it's just a... A little bug should be good to go, but as you mentioned earlier when we were talking about Washington and Dwayne Haskins having to sit because he was sick, due to the new protocols, if you show any symptoms of COVID, even if it's just the allergies, they will hold you out of games now because they do not want you to possibly get the rest of the team sick. So Odell will have to be healthy and good by Sunday to be able to play in the game. That all being said, what are you expecting out of Odell, Baker, and the Browns this Sunday? Well, I don't know if you saw recently there was a documentary released about uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's called Happy Feet. Um, <laughs> I have not. It's it's animated. Uh, so no, is that I, the, do they sing in that one too? Does, does Baker have a good singing voice? No, it's the the, pen, no. the movie about penguins. I know. I know uh, it's uh you know Baker's footwork has gone to shit. He's he's dancing back there. It's causing, you know, I think that's part of his accuracy trouble that he's developed. And when you're playing against the Steelers and the pass rush that they have, I I don't know that it's going to get better. You're probably appropriately ranked uh, with him at 18. Um, It's it's a, uh, see, where did I, I had him at 20. So neither one of us, I think, have really super high expectations. Uh, It could be a good game for Hunt. You know, the offensive line is pretty good. Uh, in the run game. They're going to have to step it up in the passing game, but Wyatt Teller is going to be out. Uh, So it could be one of those games where Hunt catches seven or eight passes, and that's where he makes his hay. Uh, But the defense in general for Pittsburgh, they cover the the receivers pretty well. And and, uh, it it could be a a rough day. If if Baker gets hit a couple times, that's what worries me. T.J. Watt gets to Baker and, and starts rattling his cage a little bit. Baker's going to get erratic, and that's then he'll make some poor decisions. Uh, it, it, you know, I'm not I'm not comfortable about this game at all. Yeah, it's going to be. I agree with you on what you said about Hunt making his game, uh, his his hay here in the receiving game. Uh, if if you go back and look at last year, and now again, I understand they beat them with Mason Rudolph on the team, but the first touchdown to in that game Literally. was a pass to. To hunt, it was a pass to hunt. Uh, he beat the linebacker. I ex- I imagine that Stefanski is going to do that. I mean, Freddie Kitchens was not an experienced play caller, very good at it, I should say. What we learned, Stefanski is Stefanski does a very good job, as we've seen the past couple weeks, scheming up offenses. I imagine they're going to find ways to get Hunt open in the uh, 
in the field. You know, it's funny. I was looking at this, and, and Pittsburgh actually has one of the worst linebacking cores when it comes to defending the pass. That you know, they've got a guy like uh, it's, it's Bush, right? If I remember correctly, I always get him yep. and White mixed up, but it's Devin Bush. Yeah, Bush. For for as good as we all think he is, he's surprisingly not doing much when it comes to stats. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick, who's actually not doing a lot this year. He only has one tackle, no pass deflections, nothing. So this defense is struggling a little bit. You've got now also Joe Hayden, who, don't get me wrong, loved Joe Hayden, loved when he was a Brown. He can be beat on the outside, so I could see a couple big plays to Odell, but I'm with you. The biggest thing is going to be if that offensive line cannot hold up against that Steelers defensive line, Baker is going to get happy feet. He's going to make some bad throws, and that's what's going to cost them the game. But if they can keep him upright for the most part, I do think it could be an interesting game. I also think that's going to be the key on the other side as well. Pittsburgh, their offensive line is beat up. We've seen Miles Garrett is playing like not only the NFL uh, defensive player of the year, but in the MVP conversation with what he's doing. That being said, I have Ben at 10, Connor at 12. Uh, I had Deontay Johnson at 26. He has now been ruled out. Uh, Juju at 29. I'll probably have Claypool right around the same area, 29 to uh, 24-ish maybe. I'm not expecting him to have a four-touchdown game. And Ebron at six. And this was hard for me, but Ebron does seem to be the matchup. Uh, looks like Rodney Harrison is likely going to miss with the concussion. The Browns' safeties have not been good. Neither have their linebackers, so I'm not sure anybody will really be able to stick with Ebron and cover him. Again, defense is really good. The defensive line, if they can get to Big Ben and force him to make some plays. Uh, I talked about this on Monday. Uh, Big Ben has actually been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when it comes to accuracy and deep ball throws this year. I don't know if that's just him still trying to shake the rust off that elbow a little bit, but he hasn't been quite as good as the stats show. What are you expecting from the Steelers? I think it'll be uh, much like you say. You know, Ben is, as much as he's talking the game, he has not developed confidence in that arm yet. Um, yeah. I, I think when he chucks it out there deep, Right now, he's still he's he's trying to place the ball, and I you know in in baseball with pitchers when they talk about control issues, it's like they get away from throwing and they start trying to to you know they're trying to spot the ball too much, and, and you can't. And I, with quarterbacks, it's the same thing. When you got a guy going out there 40, 50 yards, you you just have to worry about you, you need to get it out there. Uh, you have to have the confidence your arm can get it out there. I think Ben is starting to develop the confidence that he can get it out there. He just has to get the confidence back in his accuracy. Uh, that's not there yet. And a guy like uh, Chase Claypool, though, at 6'3", 6'4", uh, that's somebody that can kind of start to develop that confidence for you. If you just go out and you get it near him and, and he's able to bring it in, uh, you know, next thing you know, you've got one, you've got two, You've got three, and then you're deciding, well, if I can get it out there to, to Chase, I can get it out there to James Washington too. Uh, yeah. I, I like Connor. He's healthy. You know, uh, when Pittsburgh has a healthy running back, the healthy running back gets the ball, and Connor is probably going to be in line for 20 carries uh, and, and a few targets as well. Ebron's the wild card, like you said. Uh, the Browns can't cover tight ends to save their ass. And so, uh, you know, start Ebron with confidence. 
Yeah, so the one thing I will say, I just looked it up. Ronnie Harrison is out, unfortunately, with concussion, which sucks. He, I was really, he, he played good. Um, but an interesting move when that happened, they did bring up Robert Jackson, a cornerback, who I think might end up playing on Claypool a lot. 6'2", 225, if I'm remembering correctly. 205, 6205. So he's the tallest cornerback they will have on their team. Could match up with them. They, from everything I've read on him, he's got that straight line speed. He is actually very fast. So it might be an interesting matchup to try and slow down Claypool a little bit. Uh, I would be a little bit worried about Connor. Uh, the Browns have actually, for once in the past decade, two decades that I can remember, they've actually been good against the run this year. Uh, so I do think that they're going to have to rely on Big Ben to pass the ball to beat them. I am a little bit more believing that this could be a closer game. It's very hard for me to pick because I, I mean, I honestly think on paper the Brown on paper the Browns have a better team, but they just haven't been able to put it all together. Matt Fox is going with the Steelers. I'm going to take the Browns. I can't do it. I'm taking them. I think that they're going to be able to pull this one off. Finally, win a game at Ketchup Field. I, I'm taking the Steelers. Next up, Bears and Panthers. On the Bears side, we've got Foles at 25, uh, David Montgomery at 6, Allen Robinson at 4, and Jimmy Graham at 9. This is Montgomery's best matchup of the year right here. I mean, the Panthers could let me, they would let me run for 100 yards on them. And it, trust me, it wouldn't look pretty, but they would let me do it. If Montgomery doesn't perform in this one, is it officially time to panic? Uh, you know, what do we think about that coach? I think he sucks. I mean, we talked about this last year, right? I mean, yeah. he keeps saying he needs to run the ball, and then he runs the ball like five times. I, I, I'm not sold on Nagy at all, it's, which is weird to say, right? Because after that first year, he looked great, and he was making a lot of great play calls, and then the past two years have just been bad. Yeah, so uh, for me, I, I think the expectation of what Montgomery is or can be um, – has changed and should have changed rightfully. So, you know, he's not going to be Kareem Huntish. I think that was some of the expectation that he would be able to do that. Uh, he's not as athletic as Hunt and he doesn't have the same type of speed as Hunt uh, or frankly, the same type of power as, um, but can he be an effective back? He can. I think we've got to move past Montgomery being the guy and, and they need to get somebody to pair with him. You know, we saw them try to play Ryan Nall. Uh, Ryan Nall ain't that dude. They did bring up Artavis Pierce. Um, I feel like we'll see, uh, even if Montgomery does well, I feel like we're going to see a little bit of Artavis Pierce. It's, it's all fine and cool and neat that they give Cordero Patterson a few carries, but man, either give it, give Patterson 20 carries or give the ball to somebody that you think might become your back. It's like commit to him or don't. I I, I get it. He, he looks like, you know, okay, we're going to use him as a weapon. Okay. But then don't, don't give us, don't waste the carries that you might give to another back to see if they're that back. I eat yeah. our Davis Pierce. Uh, to Patterson, give Patterson a. You, you stop giving Cordero Patterson carries. He he's not the guy. 
He's yeah, no, kick, I'm a he's a kick returner. Stop it. Uh, I, I, I think even if if Montgomery comes out and rushes 23 times for 105 yards and a touchdown, I don't think it uh, material materially changes who he is as a player. Yeah. Uh, when you do well against a bad defense, uh, you should do well against a bad defense. Uh, Montgomery has to produce against better defenses. Whether or not some of that is Nagy's fault that he's not, maybe, maybe not. He may just be, you know, we know our fellow nerd Nick Whalen hates Montgomery as a prospect. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Nick may be closer to right than I was. So uh, uh, I, I think I think the sand is running out of the hourglass uh, fairly quickly for David Montgomery. On the Panthers' side here, we've got Bridgewater at 20, uh, Mike Davis at 4, Robbie Anderson at 24, DJ Moore at 30, and Ian Thomas at 25. Anderson has definitely been the guy so far this year. He, he's really kind of developed that chemistry, been the been the best threat here with Bridgewater. Do we see David DJ Moore turning it around at some point this season? Yeah, the dude is just too talented. I, I, I'm not sure. I guess – Turn it around. You mean, is he going to be a top five wide receiver or is he going to? Um, let's say, I don't even think he's scoring as a wide receiver two now. So let's say he, because I mean, he was a wide receiver one last year, right? He finished right at the bottom of the wide receiver one tier. So top 15, can he make it as a top 15 wide receiver this year? So give him a little bit of regression into the, to the high end still wide receiver two area. So he's currently wide receiver 25 uh, through five games. I think that I, I think that he'll be fine um, because teams are going well. We saw Robbie Anderson with the Jets; he'll ha- he'll give you a couple good games. So, all right, he's had his couple good games. We don't need to worry about it. And so they keep ignoring him, and Anderson keeps producing. At some point, they're going to have the defenses are going to go, "Hey, look, this Robbie Anderson dude's for fucking real." So we need to guard both of these guys. And that's going to sort of spread the defense out a little bit, and it's going to give DJ Moore uh, a little more opportunity. Uh, I, I think Moore is going to be fine. He's talented. On uh, yeah. a a, if you were to put him and Robbie Anderson side by side on a talent base, I think DJ Moore is clearly the more talented wide receiver. It's a circumstance thing. I think Teddy is going to the open guy right now. They're taking some shots, and Robbie is making them pay off. And when that happens, you know, you, you do it. You build that confidence. I think DJ is going to be just fine. All right. I am taking – I'm going to take the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to pull the pull off the win in this one. Who are you picking? I, I think the Panthers are actually the better team. And so I, I just uh, – Bridgewater's the better quarterback. Davis is the better running back at, at this point in the season anyways. Well, I think Allen Robinson is definitely the better wide receiver. Uh, you know, and Graham for who he is, he's better than Thomas, yeah. but I don't think I don't know that he's better than Thomas's talent-wise at this point in their careers uh with Graham being so old and Thomas young. Uh but for whatever reason Carolina is just they they don't yeah. have much use for Ian Thomas right now. Um but Bridgewater, Davis, Anderson, and more, they all look fantastic. And so I, I think they're the better team right now. And so I'm taking the Panthers. 
and Mr. Fox is taking the Bears. Next up, Lions and Jags. For the Lions here, Matt Stafford I've got coming in at 9. Adrian Peterson, 23. DeAndre Swift, 31. Kenny Galladay, 11. TJ Hawkinson, 4. The Jaguars here have given up a lot of catches and yards to running backs. However, they are also one of the worst teams rushing as well. So Adrian Peterson, DeAndre Swift could both be in for good games here. Could we finally see the DeAndre Swift breakout game? Or is you still think this is going to be all Peterson? I fucking Matt Patricia. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm right there with you. See, here's uh, I mean what it worries sets me. Up. It sets up to be a specific type of game. And yeah. Patricia is he's he's that guy that says, I don't care what you think, I'm gonna do this instead. Yep. Well, what worries me about this and is the fact that when they relied on Peterson, they won. They won their game two weeks ago, allowing him to be the guy. And I'm, I'm, I kind of would put Patricia in that same category as you mentioned with the hardballs earlier, being hard headed. Is that I think okay? Well, Peterson just proved that if we give him the ball twenty times, that we, he's going to help us win games. We're going to grind it out. So let's just keep doing that. And I think Swift is just going to be kind of relegated to a bench slash backup role until they get a new coach in there. You're and you're probably right. I, I think the the only thing Swift has going for him right now is that uh you know Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault uh sometimes they have explosive games. Yeah. And so if they can get up by you know 17 points or something then that may force uh, Patricia's hand, and he has to put Swift in there. And Swift is making some plays. Yep. I, so riddle me this, Batman. Uh, PPR, I think it might be a .25 per carry. I don't remember. Uh, I am, for all intents and purposes, out of it. Okay. Uh, I have Chris Carson. And uh, I have Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt. Uh, my wide receivers are generally shitty. <laughs> um, but the guy made me a bunch of offers for some of my players. Uh, any of my, my young, uh, he offered me a bunch of old players. Uh, gotcha. he doesn't have any draft picks. And I basically said, why are you offering me all this crap? Uh, and he's like, well, take a look at my team, see what you like. So I offered him, uh, Chris Carson for mm -hmm. Deandre Swift. I do it. I mean, I like Carson a lot, and my biggest fear with Carson, and I would think Seattle will re-sign him, but he is a free agent at the end of this year, and I feel like if he's not back with Seattle, his value takes a huge hit because he just seems to be one of those volume backs. It's because of how much volume he gets in Seattle. Not that he's bad, but he produces with that volume where – if he goes to a team where he's going to be in a committee-type role, we saw that when Penny was getting a little bit of the run there that he wasn't able to do much. So that's kind of what worries me about Carson. Yeah, he, uh, let's see. His running backs currently he has Aaron Jones, James Conner, Kenyon Drake, uh, Malcolm Brown, Lat Murray, DeAndre Swift. And he wanted to uh, upgrade on Drake. Yeah. So he, he was offering me like, you know, Malcolm Brown and Rex Burkhead and Latavius Murray, you know, John Brown, David Moore. I'm like, man, I don't want any of that shit. Yeah. So I, I felt like Swift for Carson 
was a fair deal. It gives him a guy who's producing high numbers this year. Yeah. Swift isn't going to do that this year. I I don't see him starting Swift unless he suffers a rash of injuries yeah. uh, uh, to date unforeseen. So he's in a good spot where he can afford to give up Swift. He was like, no. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, on uh, the J- oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so our Thrive bet on this one, uh, Matt Stafford, will he get 23.5 completions in this one? I am going to take the over. I think this could be a shootout. Neither one of these defenses are great, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the defenses aren't great, which could bode well for both James Robinson and Adrian Peterson. True. That's very true. That's, that's the. That's what gives me pause is that it could be uh, one of those games where uh, the teams don't move the ball a ton when it comes to yardage wise, but they do grind up a lot of co- clock uh, because they're running the uh, running the ball. Um, though I believe in Stafford, and so I'd go, I'd take the over. On the Jaguars side, I've got Minshew at 14, James Robinson at 11, LaVisca Chenault at 21, and Tyler Eifert at 23. Uh, we don't know for sure if Chark is going to play or not. It looks like he's trending toward not, but he still, still technically has a questionable tag on him. What do you think about LaVisca Chenault? Me and Matt talked about him a little bit on Tuesday. He's been getting the ball more, been getting more catches. They seem to really want to involve him in the offense. I think if Chark is out, Chenault will have a big game here. But even if Chark plays, I still like Chenault overall as possibly a flex play. What are your thoughts on him? I I feel like uh, Chark being out doesn't affect Chenault. Uh, I think Chenault's part of the game plan stays the same. Uh Shark being out, I think, affects Keelan Cole, um, who in Shark's absence this year has really stepped up and had some yeah. some really good games. And when Shark is in, uh, Cole doesn't get the same run. But I think Chenault is fairly consistently uh, established. You know the routes that he can run. That's what they use him on. Uh, you know they use him some out of the backfield uh, on some of those gadget plays. Uh, because that's where his skill set is at right now. And, and he's he's executing them well. Uh, as the season goes on, I think teams will get better at defending that type of gadget stuff. Um, I, I'm warming up to LaVisca Chenault. Uh, you know, my biggest concern with him, uh, I had two concerns. He was raw as a receiver, and mm-hmm. he tends to get injured. Yeah. And And – it would it would come down to how are they going to use him? Jay Gruden seems to be doing a decent job using Lavisca Chenault. Um, yeah. So I, I I think Chenault is a flex worthy play, and I think whether Chark is in or not, uh, uh, he continues to be a flex worthy play. I agree with you on that. I am taking the Lions to win this game, as is Mr. Fox. Who are you picking? I'm riding my Lions as well. All right. Next up, Jets and Dolphins. For the Jets, we've got I've got Flacco at 26, and LaMichael Pete Ryan at 35, Jamison Crowder at 12. And this is definitely not right. I must have deleted this. I'm pretty sure I had Chris Herndon at like 24, but I can't remember because it's just a two on there. But I know I did not have him at tight end two. 
for me, I think Jamison Crowder is the only player I am comfortable starting here, but I am intrigued to see what P. Ryan does. Uh, obviously, I think Frank Gore is probably going to be the starter. They drafted P. Ryan in the fourth. I do think he's going to start getting some run. What are your thoughts on those two? I'd love to see P. Ryan get some run. I have a bunch of shares of P. Ryan. <laughs> uh, so Frank Gore is going to get 27 carries. Yeah, probably. Uh, because that's what Adam Gase does. Uh, or, or Josh Adams. Will, Gore will get 12 carries and Josh Adams will get 12 carries. Yeah, so. yeah, that, that's it. Um, yeah, but I, uh, the Jets. Man, the Jets. Uh, I on think the-, the only one, the only player you start from the Jets is Jamison Crowder. Yeah. Uh, unless, like me, you are in some super flex leagues where you don't have a choice but to start Flacco. You know, he might actually look at least decent in this one. Uh, on the Dolphins' side, Fitzpatrick at 16, Miles Gaskin at 14, Devontae Parker at 20, Preston Williams at 37, and Mike Gesicki at 7. We finally saw the big breakout game for Preston Williams this year. Uh, looked like he was fully back. Huge game for him against a good 49ers defense as well, which was kind of surprising. Are you expecting that again this week? I Expect might be a strong word. I'm a big Preston Williams fan, which means I, I'm uh, I'm used to getting my heart broken. Uh, <laughs> not by Preston, but by pretty much players that I pick that yeah. I, that I go in on. So for Williams to struggle out of the gate this year, like he did, was par for the course for players that I, I'm like, oh, this is my guy. Uh, I, I think Williams is a a very talented player. Uh, for whatever reason, he got off to the slow start. Um, I, I think that you know him and Parker uh, both very comfortably have top twenty-four upside, uh, if not consistency. Um, so, do I expect a, a repeat against the against the Jets? It's definitely possible. The only again, it comes down to game script. Yep. If they get out early, you know, then it becomes the Miles Gaskin show. Um, you know, maybe who knows? Maybe maybe they actually activate Jordan Howard this week because they feel like they're going to get up early mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to grind it out a little bit. Um, you know, be, Flores is a Belichick disciple, so it's you know it may be Jor- Jordan Howard's uh, first active game in what four weeks. Yeah. Uh, so that, that would really, you know, screw everybody up. So, uh, I, 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 I like Williams, uh, 37. Uh, I think I might've had him, uh, right around there. Yeah. I still think he can have a good game here. Uh, the Jets defense is, is bad. I would like to see it a little bit more. Obviously I'm a little disappointed that he had to go off like that because I just traded him. Cause I was like, you know what? He's got still a little bit of name value and I had to, I needed a running back bad. So I traded him in a first round pick for Deontay Johnson and Damian Harris. And I'm a little upset now. Cause as soon as I do that same thing, of course he, he doesn't do anything for me all year. And then the minute I trade him, he has that huge game, which could have won me the week had I just played him. So, uh, but I, I like him as well. Hoping, hoping the best for him. I am taking the dolphins in this one. Uh, who are you taking? Dolphins as well. As is Mr. Fox. Next up, uh, what possibly could be a good game, uh, Packers and Buccaneers. Uh, I've got Rodgers at seven, Aaron Jones at five, Devontae Adams coming back from injury uh, at six, and Mr. Bobby Tanyan here at eight. 
Uh, the Bucks do have a very good run defense. Does that worry you at all about Jones, or is he just too good and too dynamic to worry about it? Yes, it worries me, and yes, he's too good and too dynamic. <laughs> so I, it's it's a you know I could see Jones. It, it could be one of those games where Jones only gets twelve or thirteen carries. You know, he I could see a thirteen carry for forty seven yards, but also a seven catch for fifty seven yards, and, and you know he he gets his his production uh, via the passing game. Uh, I, I don't think they can. I would be surprised if he doesn't score. Um, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a magician. He's having one, yeah. he's having a career year at 76 years old. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing, and I, you know, I almost wonder if it has something to do with them drafting Jordan Love, and because you know, you saw that kind of fire in his eye uh, when he got passed over. He still talks about not being the number one pick for it going to Alex Smith, that little chip on his shoulder. I'm wondering if maybe that Jordan Love just kind of added another chip on that shoulder, and has had him just coming out here. I mean, he's looks better than he has been it has in the past couple of years. Did you see that uh that uh quote he gave on? God, why did I forget his name? Pat, Pat McAfee, McAfee show? show. Which which yeah. one? Uh, where he said that a, a bad year for him is a career oh, yeah. year for most quarterbacks. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. So I am of the belief that while he might have wanted some help, uh, yeah, I don't think he wanted him to draft a wide receiver. I think he wanted him to draft an offensive lineman. Rodgers, much like Brady, needs to spend time with a receiver. Yeah. Not I don't think any of the receivers drafted this year would have provided the type of immediate boost in production for Rodgers that they that they would for Brady because they they're what they do is built on trust. Yeah. And, and in an offseason like that they don't build up trust over a normal offseason let alone an offseason like this. So while yeah Theoretically, would it be great to have drafted Justin Jefferson or Henry Ruggs uh, or Michael Pittman? Sure. Would it have really mattered? I don't think so. I think they needed to. I think what Rodgers would have liked would have been, you know, Andrew Thomas or somebody like that, somebody to throw up on that offensive line. Um, for me, that, that that's just – that's why you see guys this year – uh, MVS, who's in his third year now, uh, yeah. uh, who's the other cat that I can't Lizard. remember? Lazard, who's in his second year now, second or third year. You know, these guys that have been there, uh, that it, it just, that's, that's the way Rogers works. It, it's for him, it's repetition, repetition, yeah. repetition. If you're a rookie and you make a big play, everybody wants to go, oh, well, they've got a connection. Rodgers is analytical and he goes, no, that was chance. That's literally, it was chance. The, the, yeah. That's just how it happens. Sometimes I pulled the trigger and he caught it. It, it, it happens. But for the most part, Rodgers needs that repetition, repetition, repetition to build that trust. Just like Brady does. Um, my two cents. Yeah. Anyways. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm sure it's been pointed out a million times, but we also have to remember Devontae Adams wasn't Devontae Adams until about the third year into the offense. So, exactly. I mean, it, it takes time. With Jordy him. Nelson Us, wasn't. Yeah, Randall exactly. Cobb wasn't. 
Uh, speaking of Devontae Adams, Thrive Fantasy bet on him. 78.5 receiving yards in this one. I am going to take the over. I think Adams is a little bit upset after getting sat the week before the bye week. I think he comes out and smashes this week. Well, he can be upset all he wants. It was the right move. I, I don't – my fantasy team disagrees with you on it being the right move. I, the Packers may disagree with me, and that's fine. And and I did not – well, I, I guess I, with 22 teams, I might not be aware of who the other 22 teams had. And so I don't know that, that whether or not I was against him. Uh, I, I take the over uh, just because he's you – know, he's, uh, he's, he's a hell of a wide receiver. Yeah. He has that trust. It's Aaron Rodgers' guy. I think we're looking at like a nine for 150 and two touchdowns oh, for Devontae I Adams. So. I hope so. Buccaneers, I've got Brady at 12, uh, Ronald Jones at 17, Mike Evans at 8, Chris Godwin at 14, and Cameron Bright at 15. It does look like Godwin is going to play. Are you worried at all, though, that he likely will get the matchup against Jair Alexander, who has been really good this year? Uh, you know, you you have to play the guy in front of you, and uh, Godwin has the ability to beat him. Yeah. Uh, it comes down to whether Brady has the confidence to get the ball out there. Uh, they've got a lot of weapons. You know, we saw Tyler Johnson come on. Scotty Miller has looked good. Brate, O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, even Keyshawn Dam Vaughn was getting <laughs> some run a couple days, couple games ago. So it's a uh, – uh, they, they have some weapons. But you, you know, the, it isn't just in fantasy uh, where you start your studs. Yeah. And Brady is not afraid to make difficult throws to his guy. Uh, I, I think Godwin is his guy every bit as much as Edelman was his guy, uh, every bit as much as Evans is his guy. So uh, I, I think it uh, it's going to be uh, – it. it Portends to be a bit of a shootout um, with the Packers' explosiveness. Uh, it'll come down to whether or not that uh, Packers line gets pressure on Brady uh, because they've got some guys that can rush the passer there. And uh, yeah. with with Brady, with Darius Smith, and uh, I think isn't there other guy named Smith as well? And uh, yeah, it's um, oh, why can't I think of his name? Malcolm? They've got a they've got both of them they always joke that they're not um they're not brothers what is it right. darius smith and who 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 let me i'm just gonna look really quick because i can't think of who it is now off the you top know, of my head that's that's probably the thing you know brady doesn't get happy feet like baker mayfield preston does. smith preston preston smith and zadarius smith but brady brady because he knows he doesn't have any mobility he does the he turtles so when the when the pressure yeah. comes He's like, fuck it, I'm getting down. I don't need to take this hit. Yeah. Uh, I am taking the Packers in this one. So is Mr. Fox. I. All right. The Sunday night game, Rams 49ers. Uh, For the Rams here, I've got Goff at 11, Henderson at 24, Woods at 10, Cup at 18, and Tyler Higby at 16. The 49ers defense has, uh, does not really look scary anymore. They have uh, really kind of given up a lot of yards and – plays here early in the season. 
What are your thoughts on the possible Akers-Henderson split in this one, and are you worried at all about the lack of production from Tyler Higbee? Yeah, with uh, with them moving on from Cooks and Van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds not really stepping up consistently, uh, you definitely would have thought that there'd be more production coming out of the tight end position. But, I mean, you're not really consistently getting it from Higby or from Everett. Uh, it, it's it's all Woods and Cup uh, and an inconsistent running game. Yeah. I, I think that – McVeigh is just – he's looking for the running backs to establish themselves in a consistent role. It's like, will somebody just tell me I'm going to take 60% of the snaps and I'm going to always give you 75 yards and, a, and some tough first downs. And then the next guy to go, I'm going to take 30% of the snaps and I'm going to catch seven passes and get you five first downs. And somebody else to go, I'm going to take 10% of the snaps, and every time you need one yard, I am going to get you one yard and six inches. And and yeah. they just haven't established that. They all they kind of change who's one, two, and three. And, and yeah. I think that while it's frustrating and difficult for us as fantasy owners, it's every bit as frustrating and difficult for McVay to try to figure out the best way to game plan with these guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think Henderson's probably going to get more of the run. He's looked really good the past couple weeks. I mean, obviously, I think it was two weeks ago now we saw him come out, look good on that drive, and then he got replaced by Brown. It looked like the Malcolm Brown show again. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a little bit uh, earlier in the year, too, when Akers got hurt. Uh, you know, it, this offense seems to be very complicated. It may be something where Akers wasn't able to pick up on it so much earlier in the season, why he wasn't getting as much run. Uh, but I'll be interested to see if he gets more run out there this week against the 49ers, just based on he had a couple good runs last week. On the 49ers side, Jimmy G at 24, Raheem Mostert at 16. Debo Samuel was the highest wide receiver I had for them at 35. And George Kittle, three. Jimmy G did not look good last week. Now, they are saying it was mostly due to the ankle injury. He did get cleared and will be starting Sunday night. Are you worried about this offense at all with Jimmy G at quarterback? Well, didn't he get cleared last week? I mean, I, I don't know. I, that's I mean, what I thought, but he didn't look great. No, he didn't. Uh, I, I, I am definitely becoming of the mind that uh, Jimmy G is a mediocre quarterback uh, at best and uh, that he's likely to uh, probably not make it through his entire contract in San Francisco. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, the best thing he has going for him, Mullins and Beathard ain't the answer. That is true. <laughs> that is very true. You know, yeah, and I think they can get out of it this move. year. Yeah, they can probably, I believe they can get out of it this year. It's, it's uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Mostert looked good. He came back. He did what yeah. he does. He broke off a long run. You know, he busts off a long run or a long reception and packs up that stat sheet. Uh, I think that if you uh, roster Mostert, you start him comfortably. Um, if he gets the slightest little ding, though, you know, <laughs> it's Derek McKinnon time. They don't. They yeah. don't mess around if you, you, you know, it's, it's like you get up from a, you need to hop up from those tackles. First time you linger getting up, they're like, next man up. 
Get your Michael Hasty yep. in there. Yeah, get Jeff Wilson in there. Get Jarek McKinnon in there. Get Kyle Juicecheck in there. You know, they're gonna they're gonna replace you. Uh the wide receiver position is gonna be interesting to see how that shakes out with uh, uh Brandon Ayuk starting to come on, uh Debo Samuel. You know, they're clearly the top two receivers. Uh it's Debo's show right now, but somebody is of the two of them, somebody is going to have to start to step up and, and become that alpha wide receiver. Right now, their alpha receiver is George Kittle. Uh, but his game is what it is. He's athletic. He's strong for a tight end, uh, runs well for a tight end. But, uh, you know, that that 4-4 speed that you get from those wide receivers uh, is, is something different. Uh, for me... I want to see. I want to see these guys with a, a quarterback that that can get it done. Somebody at a higher level. I imagine, you know that that running game with those running backs, and then Samuel and Ayuk uh, at the wideout spot with Kittle. That could be such a powerful offense. Um, the way that they they're hampered on defense now with the injuries there, that offense has to produce at a much much higher level. Um, I don't know, man. Jimmy is uh, Jimmy just ain't getting it done for me. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh... I mean, I mean, I said at the beginning of last year, I thought when we were talking about places that I thought Brady could land, this was one of the reasons why I thought Brady could eventually come here was they can get out of Jimmy G's contract. He just hasn't shown enough. I mean, he's at times been really good at like very, very accurate, very good at completing passes, but he's just overall, I think his game is not, not great. Um, I am taking the, the Rams to win this one. Who are you picking? I'm taking the Rams as well. And so is Mr. Fox. All right. The early Monday game, Chiefs and Bills. So the Chiefs side nice here. to it, doesn't it? The early Monday game. It does, except I hate that it's start, starting at 4 o'clock. That's the only thing I don't like about it. Uh, Mahomes at 2, CEH at 7, Tyree Kill at 2, Hardman at 34, Kelsey at 1. You're starting your Chiefs. There's really not much to talk about there. The big thing will be, as everybody is talking about now, we know that Le'Veon Bell has signed a one-year deal with the Chiefs. How does this affect CEH's value for you this year and moving forward? So when it comes to CEH, the question for me isn't how does this affect his value? I'm curious, before the NFL draft, how many people had CEH ranked, let's say, as rookie running back four or five? I did. This guy did. Uh, and then when he landed in Kansas City, who moved him up to the top, uh, made him RB1 in this rookie class? I know for me, I still had Dobbins and Taylor uh, ahead of CEH. I moved CEH from four to three, um, but I didn't didn't move him up over Dobbins and Taylor. I, I don't. To me, I feel like CEH is has shown that he's a good back, yep. but he hasn't shown that he's elite. Uh, he didn't really, you know, he had one great college year. So how does Bell's arrival in Kansas City affect him? I think it's uh, it might be for, for fantasy players. 
it might be great long-term if you're going to go out and try to acquire him. We're going to see what kind of mental fortitude CEH has. Does this break him? Because, you know, players, there are players, when you bring in somebody that has this type of ability, uh, you know, when you bring in a legendary player like Adrian Peterson, what's that do to your young running back? When when you uh, when he thought he was going to get the shot, uh, sometimes they they can't they just can't hack it. Whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a running back, so I I feel like Bell is going to get the goal line carries because Ceh has shown that uh, he needs he needs a hole. Bell can get in the end zone. It doesn't matter. Honestly, yeah. I think Bell is the better receiver. I don't think Ceh is a bad receiver. Uh, but Bell is Bell is an exceptional receiver from the running back position. Yeah. He he's got a history of it. Uh, we could. I don't want to say Ceh has some Darwin Thompson style games, but if he did, it would not surprise me to see Bell come out and, and carry the ball twenty five times and get ten targets and Daryl. Daryl Williams be the backup. Yeah. Uh, just because I think that CEH's skill set is very similar to Bell's. He's a good runner. Uh, he's a patient runner. Yeah. So I think Bell fits right into what that offense is trying to do. Uh, he's a good receiver. Uh, Bell is a great receiver. So it could turn out to be. You know, we've seen Bell as kind of a jackass, so I don't want to say Bell could be a mentor because I yeah. don't know that Le'Veon Bell is the is the mentoring type. He's more of he strikes me more as a if you want to learn from me, watch what I do. As he's more of a Brett Favre type of mentor. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I'm for the most part a hundred percent with you on that. Uh, I think. You know, I didn't have CEH high either. I don't think any of us did. We all three kind of talked about how none of us were really moving him up. I had, um, I can't remember if I had Taylor or Dobbins. No, I had Swift at one. I forgot. I did. I kept Swift at one. It was Swift, Taylor, Dobbins, and then CEH. And I didn't move him up just because I still think CEH is a very good back. I just kept saying you can't assume that because he goes to Kansas City that he's going to be the best back like a lot of other people did a lot of people just jumped him up to one because he went to Kansas City he's a smaller guy I was talking about this today with a friend at work he's literally my size he is not a big back he's like 5'10 190 pounds he's not a big dude at all and I think Bell going in there is exactly what you said he's a really good receiving back he's going to be used as that red zone guy um, I, I don't think this hurts CEH long-term. Honestly, don't think it hurts him much this year either. He's still going to get you points. He hasn't been producing as an RB1 as it is outside of that week one anyways. He's been more of an RB2. I think that's kind of what you're going to get out of both of them. Again, because this offense is so explosive, you're likely still going to get points for CEH and points for Bell. I don't think CEH is going to get regulated to any kind of bench role. He's still going to get his but it also seems like Andy Reid has just always liked using a two-back system. And I think they haven't found that in Darrell Williams. They haven't found that in LaShawn McCoy. But now that they've got a guy like Bell there who may, may not be a little bit washed, I don't know if you can say what we saw at New York was what we 
what Bell is because we've seen Adam Gase, Adam Gase up a lot of players, and then they've looked really good once they've gotten away from him. So Bell, I think, still could be productive. I'm interested to see how they use him with CEH in this Kansas City offense. On the Bills side here, I've got Allen at three, Singletary at 21, Diggs at seven, and Knox at 18. Should be a shootout, so should be a lot of fun to watch. I, I would start Beasley. Gabriel Davis is, is a kind of in flux consideration for me as well. But with the shot at Moss coming back, uh, we saw this a little bit on Tuesday. We thought maybe Singletary would get a ton of run with Moss being out, and all of a sudden T.J. Yellow made an appearance and was getting a whole lot of run, gets the touchdown pass, obviously, which is a little bit fluky, but still was out there a lot. With Moss possibly coming back, does this affect Singletary's value for you? It, it could, because uh, Singletary hasn't looked great running the ball. Um, yeah. And I think he's not he's, he's not an upper-tier receiving back either. He's just kind of a good all-around back that makes the occasional explosive play. Um, so he needed, to, he needed to produce at a pretty high level. And when TJ Yeldon comes in and outproduces you, um, you know, that doesn't bode well because, you know, Yeldon is, is, uh, you know, he's, it's not great, Bob, not great. Yeah. And, uh, uh it, it's, uh, it, but we got to see it from Moss. Moss has to be healthy and Moss has to produce. Uh, I think if, if Moss gets healthy for stays healthy the rest of the season and puts up some good tape, I, I think you can feel fairly comfortable going into 2021, but if Moss continues to, you know, be in and out of the lineup and, or if he stays healthy and doesn't produce any better than Singletary, uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them go free agent fishing for a running back next year. Yeah. Uh, I am taking the chiefs to win this game as is Mr. Fox. Who are you picking? The chiefs as well. The last game for week six, which should be a very good game. Cardinals and the Cowboys. I've got Murray at one, Drake at 22, Edmonds at 25, Hopkins at one, Christian Kirk at 32, and just because Dan Arnold at 25. Hopkins should have a big game here with as bad as the Cowboys secondary has been. Honestly, could see a little bit of a, a Kirk sh uh, game as well here, him showing out a little bit. What are you doing with Drake and Edmonds? Drake's getting a lot of run. Edmonds is getting most of the receiving work. They seem to kind of be canceling each other out. I think they're both kind of flex worthy guys. And that's really, and until it shakes out differently, that's where you start them. Uh, you hope maybe one of them gets a couple touchdowns by accident. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, you're looking at uh, Edmonds and his six or seven catches and 50 yards and Drake and his 14 carries and 60 yards, um, a couple catches. Uh, it does seem like Edmonds might be starting to take that job, uh, push for that job a little harder. Um, but, you know, Drake has shown himself to be explosive. Uh, I just, I'm not sure what's going on with him this year. Are they just, is he not healthy or are they using him different than they did last year? I think they're using them different. I, I don't remember Edmonds and any of these other guys getting as much run. I mean, I know, like I was talking about this with Matt on the Mon Monday or Tuesday podcast, and I brought up that I remember when he played the Browns game, like he did get the two rushing touchdowns, but the other one came in the air, and he was doing more work against the Browns in the receiving game. He just doesn't seem to be getting that this year. They just either, whether it's they trust Edmonds more, or maybe it's just Edmonds is out there on those plays that Murray finally decides to dump it off. 
Edmonds is getting a lot more work out there, and I think that is hurting Drake's value for sure. On the Cowboys side, I've got Dalton at 9, Zeke at 1, Lamb at 16, Cooper at 19, and Dalton Schultz at 12. With Dak being out, do you think this offense goes back to what we've seen and they start to lean on Zeke a little bit more, or do you think Dalton being – I mean, he is better than your average quarterback. Let him – let the pigskin fly with the weapons they have in the receiving game. Uh, I think the challenge for Dallas is going to be the offensive line with uh, – Tyron Smith going out. Um, I think they're they're missing somebody from the right side of their line as well. Yeah, it's going to come down to uh, you know Dalton. Well, he he's got a little bit of mobility. He's not as mobile as Dak. I think Dalton averaged about 150 yards rushing a season versus Dak in his 300 yards rushing. Um, but you're right, Dalton is is better. You know if. If you had to rate the backups, NFL backups right now, Dalton Dalton might likely be the number one backup uh, across the NFL, you know, with Jameis being second and uh, God, I don't know who would be third. Certainly not uh, Hoyer. Maybe Case Mark Keenum. No, yeah, probably oh, Case no, Keenum. No, no. Oh, come um, on. Go Marcus Mariota. Don't, don't hate on Marcus Mariota. But I, I are they going to – you know, they're not going to throw the ball 50 times, but they might throw it 40 uh, because, I mean, you've still got fucking Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Yeah. Lamb. I mean, you you might, you know, I might not drive the Lamborghini 120, but I'm certainly not driving at the speed limit, okay? And so Dalton is going to do what he does. Zeke will get a little more run, um, but when you've got a – Six foot, two hundred and thirty pound battering ram uh, with four or five speed that has shown himself to be uh, an elite running back. Of course, you're going to give him an opportunity. Uh, yeah. When Dalton had high level weapons in Cincinnati, uh, he produced top what top eight numbers. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he consistently finished. We looked it up. Consistent, consistently finished between like ten and fifteen every single year. So I mean, he was a t- he had a chance to be a top quarterback. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback at all. I mean, imagine those teams. He took them to the playoffs with not just the team around him, but Marvin Lewis as his head coach too. Which I'm not. I don't right. know if Mike McCarthy is much better than Marvin Lewis, but he's definitely got a much better offense around him. That is for damn sure. Yeah. So I I, I think the Cowboys are going to be fine. You know, were they ever going to go really far this season? Uh, Unfortunately, I picked them to be in the Super Bowl against. Uh, no, I didn't. I picked them to make no, the playoffs. We yeah, we uh, pick I the picked the Saints. But uh, I, I, that that defense is going to be their primary issue. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm probably going to be the only one. I'm taking Arizona to win this one. I know Mr. Fox has picked the Cowboys. Who are you taking? That's kind of a push for me. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm taking the Cowboys. All right. So that will do it for us here in week six. Me and Matt will be back on Monday. Of course, to do all, I believe, oh no, Dennis will not be with us next Friday. Is that correct? You won't, you won't be here. That is correct. I'm Cub Scout camp out. 
That's right. So it'll be me and Mr. Fox next month, next Friday, and then the three of us will be back again the Friday after. Hopefully, I think I'm on vacation the week after that, and I might have I might have to miss. We'll see. I'm, I, I think I should be able to make it. But uh, good luck to everybody in week six. Hopefully, no more COVID stuff messes up anything, and you guys can pull out the wins in your week six matchup. Good luck, and we will see you guys all again on Monday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready.